this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader takes us on a journey of how he connects his passions to his purpose and all to help others. If anyone ever has a question about media, audio, computers, or technology, he's the guy. He's the one that everybody calls for advice. His passions have led him into helping others with corporate media productions and even podcasting. Finding his passion and using his gifts to help others are techniques that he can teach you to apply every day to live your life with success. Joe Ake, my husband, is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 27 starts now. Welcome to the program, Joe. Well, thank you. I, uh, it, it, took, is a, it is a real pleasure to be on this show, let me tell you. Wait, it took 27 shows for you to get in line on the roster because this is really fun. Everyday Leaders show 27 is celebrating your birthday, Joe Ake and Joe Ake Studios for your big birthday. Oh, here And we are, we are, and it's because I'm the sound guy, yeah. I've got Melanie trained to listen to everything on a podcast show, and we are doing this show on a Saturday late morning in the cabin of our sailboat. So you're going to hear some background noises today, and that's okay with me. So usually it's not okay, but today it will be okay. Today it's about the authentic recording so that we can have fun and share these experiences. We may actually hear a train or the bridge go up for the sailboats. It's a pretty windy day out here, but uh, yeah, it'll be... it's a blustery day. You may hear a, somebody knock on our cabin and want us to come out, <laughs> and uh, we're sitting at the slip at the marina today. It's so fun. So this is where the retreat is. When we work hard, people talk about working hard and playing hard. We kind of just are always in that drive mode. <laughs> so as we take the podcast everywhere we can on the road, I thought it would be great to celebrate Joe for all the things that he's done to help get this show off the ground for production. Everyone is asking questions, connecting to him on the technology, on media. It's his, it's his life. So I want to just introduce you to his history, his family, uh, you can get to know Joe and also connect to Joe on if you want to start your own podcasting and how to really make that happen. He makes it super, super easy. Believe me, you know my schedule. I'm everywhere. And he'll say, let's go. we got to do a show. <laughs> and he makes it happen. So you too can have that success. All right, Joe. So let's go back. Happy birthday to you, first of all. Your big 58th birthday, July 22nd. How does that feel? Not like 58. Let me tell you, it feels more like uh, somewhere in my 30s. I feel like somewhere in my 30s, I guess. I I just had a checkup with my general practice family doctor and she was, uh, gave me a low low blood pressure. She fastest she's ever had me in and out of there. So (laughs) now it could all fall apart tomorrow. Who knows? (laughs) Well, you know, it's such a journey. So as you grew up, and you're so connected to this media stuff, my family was, but you, uh, for people that don't know Joe Ake and your family history, 
I always want to go back. I mean, I'm married to you, so that's my connection. <laughs> but tell me about your story of your family. When you were growing up in your teenage years, the responsibilities that you learned from your dad. Well, how I grew up, I can start with that one first. I mean, I grew up, um, I guess I could kind of say I grew up in the back of a TV service, TV repair shop. <laughs> and however that visually lies for people that just heard me say that, I mean, it could be the Jerry Lewis movie where he was a TV repair man. It could be just uh, think back to Leave it to Beaver and all those shows, maybe just busting in, in color and stuff. But I... When I realized I grew up in the back of a TV repair shop, it, it basically was like, what is this place? And why are all these TVs stacked around here and stuff? And then I just began to realize. And by that time, my dad's store. <clears throat> well, wait a minute. Let's go back. Yeah, okay. Because your dad created the store off of, he was a great leader. He, you know, you're one of nine children, but he was in the Coast Guard. And right. he learned he learned the skill. Well, he he basically, even to go just real quick, he he grew up, my father, my grandfather, which I never met, uh, don't remember meeting, um, either of my grandfathers, but, but grandfather Ake uh, was a Methodist minister, and he started a company for church members and people that worked in churches for, he started a life insurance company called Church Members Life Insurance. And it got to be a pretty good size. Um, it was downtown in like the 10th floor of, of a building in Indianapolis and stuff. And my dad was supposed to take that insurance company over. And anybody that know that knew my dad, he's somebody that's not going to be sit, sitting behind a desk very long. And I think I inherited that to some degree. And so he got, after he, after he served in World War II in the Coast Guard, he knew that the insurance business just was not for him. So he would come home from that job at night and he would have a cigar box with Phillips screwdrivers, a couple screwdrivers and some vacuum tubes back in the day when televisions worked on vacuum tubes. And he would go up and down the street where they lived and repair TV TVs and, and get them to have better pictures. And if they you could repair televisions, you know, when they were first made and then he would be recommended from one customer to another customer in the neighborhood and then it became recommended tv and not joe ake's tv service anymore but recommended tv it grew into three stores uh really big magnavox and zenith dealers then later on through that success they took on um they tried furniture for just maybe about not even quite a year didn't work out and then went into appliances so it that's kind of what I, I grew up in. I grew up with all that. and But you're and, one of nine, but you're number eight. So correct. you watched all of your sisters. And when you were kind of, when you guys moved out of the TV shop on Thompson Road in Indianapolis. Actually, they moved out. They moved out before I was born. I think they moved. Maybe I lived. No, I did live there for one or two years. And my older sisters would be correcting me right now. And they probably are if they're listening to this. And. <laughs> And I, I, uh, I was like maybe one and a half, two years old. We moved out, and um, but seven of them, seven or yeah, seven of them and me were in this tiny house on Thompson Road that became recommended TV and appliances. And and it, my dad had a shop in the basement and stuff, but it got to be so such a big deal that he had to move and. He turned that place on Thompson Road into a big showroom and stuff, and 
many people drove by it and they had the glass windows around. It actually was a house on Thompson Road a long time ago. Um, and yeah, so what? I don't know how much more you want me to talk about in, in that respect, but well, it's pretty cool because it was an icon when I it was a big mom and pop store on the south side. There were back in the 50s and 60s when there were predominantly mom and pop businesses everywhere and it, it excelled and it was just a different time back then. When you, you think know? about your dad having leadership skills, you know, kind of leading this big family, trying to think about, he, we talk about this all the time, but now, you know, dealing with the fears of someone not being business minded, but he really followed his passion and his purpose. Oh yeah. He, his passion, I think was really just to be of service to people. Um, he, and he, he did that through, he, I think he was always a tinker with things. He used to show me pictures of his Model T Ford um, when he was a teenager and he had it souped up and stuff and he was always tinkering with things. And, um, and I think he had a love of, ele- of electronics because it was so new and television was so new in the 40s that he was just drawn to that. And he had to, he was, he's the kind of guy that, like a lot of guys, I think he just has to, you know, what makes that work? And I think that the the fact that they could, you know, shoot a TV show in New York and beam it across the air and have it come down through an antenna and into a TV set was just really was exciting to him. And so he just took that on, and it was so popular that he wanted to be of service to people. So he really ran it more on service for sure than he ever ran it on concentrating on the sales part of it, although it did grow into a big sales department. So, But it started with his passion for helping people. Absolutely. Yep. And and that was from just what he learned, like he could go and help somebody and then it became the name of his business, Recommended TV and Appliances. Yeah, his service was, his service, or Joe Ake's television service was recommended to from one customer to another customer. And, and that's how it's done today. You know, it's supposed to be done that way. Business, All businesses. Businesses built through referrals of, hey, this is a recommended service. I trust and have credibility with this person that I did business with. And so it just builds from there. Yep. That's yeah. right. I mean, I think two things. I mean, I think two things go into that, which I know your teachings of John Maxwell or reteachings, and that's passion and to help people. And, you know, that's, that's, as I've gotten older, I mean, that's the whole reason I think we're on this planet and by God's design is to be of service to one another. And to do, to do that, I think you have to drive it through your passions. And if you're not sure what your passions are, um, you better think on that one a little bit. And when you do find your passions, I think you need to Take those passions and find a way to help people with those passions, and you will become not so much financially rich, but you'll become rich in who you are, and you may become rich also monetarily as as well if you're successful and you become the best at your passion that you can be, and you give that service to people through that passion. Yep, becoming the expert in what you believe in. Uh, We've talked a lot about with people on the podcast, especially sharing how they have lived their lives to a success point and what they're doing and and they're changing and growing. And a lot of this, I'm sure your dad went through it. I wish I could get him on here, you know, and unfortunately 
he's passed away, but to ask him about those times of his business that were fearful, what happened and what transformed him and what made him continue to work through that fear. I think, I think there were times, I think there had to be times of, of fear. He persevered right through that. And he had a lot of help from people too. I mean, there's a lot of names. There's a list of names that, and, and some I'm not even sure I could even put on a list, but you know, he had a lot of people help him grow in the business. And, um, so, and there were times where, you know, I think it went from such a little place, you know, up and down the street in a cigar box to, you know, 15 or 20 service technicians and multiple trucks. I mean, you know, so all that comes with, you know, uncertainty in so many ways and stuff, but he always drove it on service and, that took care of, I think, a lot of the fears because he stayed, he stayed, oh, the word I'm looking at is he just stayed focused on, again, being of he, service to people. And true to what he believed in. Absolutely. Yeah. So he exposed you to trips in California, and I love the stories of all you guys piling into the <laughs> to the station wagons. Oh, yeah. He, Back in the day with no seatbelts. Well, we, like, we, we had a... We always say, how are we still alive? Because we traveled. <laughs> that's, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, that they were never a seatbelt. Sure, a lot of people were, lives were taken on, and, you know, as safety's gotten better. But, uh, yeah, we were lucky. I mean, you know, he was he was a good driver, thank God. You know, we went on vacations and stuff, and I can tell you a lot of great stories. Okay, I mean, wait, I got to have you tell the story. Which because, one? Because, you know... People think about businesses. So he has nine kids, right? And they're all traveling on vacation. Now there's the older sisters have boyfriends and maybe some of them are married and they have the brother-in-laws for Joe. But um, the story about your dad being such a tightwad, and they used to call him TWA, tightwad ache. Tightwad ache, that's right. (laughs) Not the airlines. But so there's a story. It's a funny story because he had to intentionally think about the money that the family needed, and they wanted to experience life. To the extremes, life. to the extremes. To the extremes, but you guys went on tons of family vacations in the day, and there was one story I want you to tell about the gas station. Well, um, we were we were out west. This is one of the most popular stores. We're out west in Colorado mountains. I don't remember where. And, you know, the, the mountain passes were up and down, up and down and stuff, and I... And something else that has to kind of come in here, obviously, is that, you know, when when you're a television store in the 60s, I mean, there's it's all about radios, too. And, you know, all kinds of radios, police radios, you know, especially that, but just, you know, radios in general. And he was he wasn't a ham operator or anything like this or but we had, you know, the citizens band craze probably really started more in the 60s. And of course, my dad was right into the citizens bands radios. All right. So those are CB radios CB, for all the millennials right, that are listening right. to this. CB, they're just basically two way. They used to call them. It was a, there was a band or a frequency that's called the citizens band network, basically. But it was a set of frequencies that you could communicate back and forth on and stuff. Well, my dad, you know, we, he would, you know, let's go on a vacation and let's, you know, and he'd suck my older brother-in-laws in the driving, you know, two or three other station wagons just to haul the load. And he had the CB radios and he would tune the antennas. There was a way you could get better response on the antennas. Of course, he knew how to do that. And he would tune the radios. And he, I remember before we'd go on vacations, he'd send people out on test, you know, and he'd send them <laughs> down, you know, Thompson Road, 31, whatever. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you pick me up to where, yeah, we got three miles out of that radio. So anyway, 
we're communicating with these CB radios in the Colorado mountains. And my dad's car runs out of gas. My dad's station wagon runs out of gas. Thank God we were going down the mountain. <laughs> and we were coasting. And I was in the car. I'm like, oh, we had a gas in there. Yeah, you know, the engine stopped. And my dad didn't phase him at all. Not nervous. I mean, to my dad, this was just a total fun challenge. Let's see if we can get down coasting the car in the mountain. <laughs> you know, we're going downhill. So I know he's not worried about anything. And he knows he's coming into towns. And my oldest brother-in-law is on the radio saying, you know, are you, are you going to make it? You know, yeah, yeah, we're going to make it. We're coasting fine. And and uh, so he goes, all right, I'm sitting in a gas station, you know, right around the corner here when you see, you know, the standard sign. I'll be in there waiting for you. So we get down to that point. And, of course, my mom was always nervous in the front seat. You know, oh, Joe, I can't believe you, you know, blah, 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 giving him heck and stuff. And so he coasts into the gas station. My brother-in-law's there. He goes, you know, and, and, it, and he looks across the street. And at the same time, the car, visually, if you, can, if you can visualize this, he rolls over the gas station. They used to have these little rubber hoses that would ring a bell so the servant would come out. You know, or, the, or, yeah, the service guy would come out and put the gas in your car and wash your windshield back in the day. And that thing goes like, ding, ding. And here comes the guy, you know, right out of the service station. Just like Andy Griffith. Yeah, show. Head, heading towards our car, you know. And my dad looks across the street and says, well, it's a penny cheaper across the street on the other side of the road. As he hits that rubber hose and the thing goes ding, ding, and the servant comes out, the motor's not running, and he's, I've got enough steam. I can coast out of this gas station and across the street (laughs) into the other gas station to save a penny on gas. And the look on the service station attendant's (laughs) eyes as my dad rolls out and this dude's got his hands on his hips of like, what is just happening? <laughs> and he rolls out past my brother-in-law, back onto the street, across the street, into another gas station, coasting to get at the penny cheaper. On fumes. On fumes. That's the kind of vacations we used to have. <laughs> <laughs> but what that taught you, oh my gosh, the perseverance of just, you know, <laughs> never giving up. Is that, is that what that lesson is? Perseverance? <laughs> No, that if you have a goal, he was all about the challenge, you know, and that's what that's where. Oh my God, he was all about the challenge. All about that's his life was all about seeking out the challenges in life. I mean, I heard that constantly. So, so he was also a pilot. He experienced that. He he was a pilot later in life. I think him. Yeah, I I I don't know where that came from, but he uh, he got his private pilot's license and um and then uh my brother oldest brother-in-law was also had his private pilot's license uh chuck mercer and um he and dad had you know shared airplanes they were a lot cheaper to buy in the early 70s than they are today private airplanes and stuff and uh his his business did well enough to where he had a had different airplanes and we flew to florida and northern michigan and all types of places in the airplanes and stuff so he also he exposed you on these vacations to to kind of the studio you talked about him watching how tv was broadcast and shows were broadcast but you fell in love with the production side yeah i think my you know i think i got a little bit of the nuts and bolts so to speak um from my dad and and um mechanical and nuts and bolts and just interested in things and 
And uh, growing up around television, it was just interesting. And, you know, we went through a tour. He would always, you know, on vacations, we went to New York. And actually the first studio that I remember actually touring before California was the Johnny Carson uh, stage or, or studio in New York City and NBC. And that was just, you know, it's where you really, you know, they, they, on those tours, they always make you aware of their, you know, their sound and their picture and how they get the sound and how this and the mic and the way things are rigged up. And man, that's, that was candy to me as a kid, I was like nine years old or whatever. And I just looked at all that equipment and I was just, I don't know, it just energized me. And, and then in California, I went into Universal Studios at like 10 years old. And if anybody's been out there, they drive you on this tram and, and stuff. And I, I think it's changed a lot. But back in the 70s, in 1969, 1970, they drove you through a lot of sound stages, more so than I think they do today. And you just, you realized, A, you realized how, how much of a production it was to make it believable and which is still done today and stuff. And they make it very, very good at making it believable. And the sound and picture is very important. And I would tell you that the sound is what I've learned in the last 10 years makes more of a difference than really even the picture does. Um, And I just wasn't, I was exposed to that early on from coast to coast. I was exposed to where that production, entertainment production came from. And I've just, it just stuck with me the rest of my life. So when you, so you're really intent on things now because you helped me with this podcast. Mm-hmm. And when I said, when I came to you and said, hey, I've got this idea, I've got this theme. And you, you're such a marketing genius, but you also said. I don't know about genius. Well, I mean, you know, we sit down with ideas and brainstorm all the time. But with the whiteboards all across the room in the basement. You have the world's <laughs> biggest whiteboard that, <laughs> that I installed in our basement. <laughs> Four foot by eight. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's got to be one of the biggest. But, but it's huge. So, yeah. so as a creative mind, you know, you're always thinking about how to, how to connect things, how to push the buttons, how to get the right chords, how to get the right sound engineering, you know, you learn, you're kind of influenced too by your cousin. So your cousin's always been a sound Mm -hmm. engineer. And so you, you have kind of like not followed that path, but you had that interest. Both of you had the interest because he was another boy in the family that you could really identify with. And I think we were heavily influenced at my dad's store. Both of us were my, that was my mom's brother and my, uh, and her and his, uh, her brother's boy, and he's really, he's really big into professional sound engineering with with some big names, and has been involved with some big names and stuff. And he he was influenced. He'll tell you he was influenced by my dad's store. I was influenced by my dad's store. He he had more freedom, I think, to roll and just you know go out and and do more with it than I did for various reasons and stuff. Um, and he's been, but yeah, we both have been influenced by that. And it's pretty incredible what, if you follow your journey and your path, you know, it's amazing to kind of see what you can do. So where your journey is now is helping other people because you've become this expert. And we talk about this all the time. How do you become successful and then add significance? So as you have really helped me, I mean, thank you so much for everything you've always done for me. You're my easiest client. (laughs) Whatever. Uh (laughs) But, you know, when I teach leadership lessons, it's always about um, thinking into the things that you're passionate about. 
and not letting things get in your way. So one of these examples is, you know, as we do podcasting, it's not always the same environment. We change environments and I challenge my husband. I don't know if we change environments. <laughs> I think you change environments. Well, you And know. I have to always change to your environment. Who I would have never dreamed about recording a podcast show on, on a, in a sailboat cabin, but here we are. So you, here we are. You, it gives you challenges and that's okay. I mean, there's lots of challenges. You definitely give me production challenges and and today, we, I really don't care. I mean, I've, it's kind of a laxed way, but today's a very quiet day. There's no trains and there's no, not even the drawbridge is ringing a siren and stuff in the background. So we but, ha- kind of have things on our side today. But you know, it's about like sound you, quality. you create the right environment. So you as Try an to. expert. And I, and I mean, I have a picture background too. I mean, I, my dad had cameras and I, and again, being kind of a gadget nuts and bolts head. I aspired to photography early on. And those who know me a little closer know that. And I still do still photography work, but I also, as times have changed, I think a lot of still photographer guys have had, had, I always say, had to move their line in the sand. And if you're not adapting to, to video work, which with video work comes sound work. Um, and you just have to move, you know, the iPhone has changed a lot of things for everybody in a good way. And it's made photography and digital has made photography easier for people. The cameras today are amazing in the hands of just people that don't really want to learn about photography. And so it's a lot easier. So um, you, you have to completely change today faster than I think you've ever had to change the world. We've all know the world's moving faster today. So I took you kind of off that, whatever you were saying there, but I just, no, it's somehow it's, wanted to drop that in. Well, it's true. <clears throat> you have to be flexible and you have to, you know, so you took my 15 laws class. Yep. And a lot of people have taken that and it's really great because it transforms your thinking. Yes. You already are aware of the things, but you really have to kind of assess your own life with where you are and how you want to change it to grow. We talk about growth. People don't understand what growth is. What's your opinion of personal growth? Um, personal growth, I think, is a lot about getting uncomfortable with, with stepping out of your comfort zone. I think the only way to grow personally is to step out of your comfort zone. And man, as, as a as human nature, we don't like to do that. And, but boy, you are really so much better if you do step out of your comfort zone and that leads me into the fear of, of failure and you've got to be afraid not to fail and got to be afraid not to fail you've got to be afraid not to fail because you're going to fail yeah you know if you step out of your comfort zone and i think that's what keeps a lot of us from stepping out of our comfort zone is the fear of failure and and you know, you have to, you know, I'll just tell you, you got to get over that if you're going to grow because you're going to fail. And that's the best way to learn, you know, and you might say, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. It's like, well, then you're never going to grow, you know, because the, the, to grow, you have to move forward. Mm-hmm. And like a book that John Maxwell has called fail or what is it? Uh, Failing forward. Failing forward, that's, that explains it perfectly. 
and so to grow, you asked me about what do I think about growth. I think you have to grow. You know, um, video and sound was something I didn't think that, you know, if you'd asked me 12 years ago, I didn't think I'd ever do it. And I've had to really but you were doing push it. myself in, in a lot of technology to get to where I am today with the sound. And I mean, I knew a little bit about video and I knew a little bit about sound just out of just technology and st- always studying technology, you know, but to really get good at it and to really get better at it. And then I get better at it every day, mm-hmm. you know, because you never stop learning. Well, you always had the the key programs, you know, photo, not Photoshop, but but all the movie programs and all the high tech equipment because you were around that so much with your dad and you understood it. And that's part of it where if you haven't put yourself in the right environment, you won't learn. And so being true to what you love helped you explore, you know, how to get comf- more comfortable with change. Yeah, I mean, I, I the technology wasn't, wasn't around so much with my dad. It was analog technology, kind of analog and digital mixed together. Digital was moving up on the scene in the early 80s, and it was out there. But, you know, we sold you know, videotape machines, a lot of them. We sold camp video cameras and lots of video cameras, lots of videotape. And I was exposed I was exposed to that early on and took cameras from the store and used them and filmed with them and, and everything. And I, I didn't see it back then. And I had my cameras from high school and everything and I was involved in with cameras I didn't really see the the picture thing and I really wasn't somebody who was a giant movie buff so I I was never had a I was never drawn to like I have to go make a movie about something you know I just wasn't drawn that way I was definitely more about a still image and stuff but it did help that all that other stuff in the video was in my background Mm -hmm. so I knew a little bit about it I mean from selling it you have to know a lot about it so so today you do you do um, videos for companies. You do. I, primar- I, I primarily run production services for commercial accounts, all types of commercial accounts, from real estate offices to hospitals to um, now helping people produce audio, sound podcasts, and just working w- even with their picture, you know, sound and picture. Um, and getting more into actually doing a lot of just services to help people get where I've been, I think as much as anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's kind of where it's at and I'm not sure where it's going to lead to. And then I, I'm also driven, I think to, to actually film and shoot some, some, some human interest stories on my own and maybe seek out some sponsorship or some film festival accolades per se so yeah so you haven't talked about something that i know has always been near and dear to your heart but uh race cars so yeah when you you did some stuff back in the day when you were in high school and and right after high school that was drag racing i did i um you know it was real interesting um my dad again he's influenced there he was kind of guy that would you know come home on a sunday you know back when nothing was really virtually open on a sunday as I grew up in, in, as a kid, and he would always, you know, oh, let's, you know, let's check this on the car, let's check the battery, let's do this, and he up up goes the hood on the car, and and I remember he had a he he drove a lot of Pontiac station wagons and stuff, and big GM guy, and the funny thing is he had Ford trucks, but for for service vans, because he always thought Ford made a better truck for 
for his workplace. But anyway, he had these cars, and they were just, you know, hot rod station wagon cars. They weren't hot rods, but, you know, I remember he had some pretty fast station wagons. He always bought the ones that had the performance packages, and and he showed me what those were. So I, I was influenced by that. And then I ran around with guys in high school that, you know, loved cars, and that's all we talked about. We never dated girls. We worked on cars. And and uh, girls were too much trouble, and, and the cars were easier to <laughs> fall in love with than the girls were, I think, as hey, much as Hey, is that anything. why you named a car a girl's name? Is that what it was all about? <laughs> may, it may very well be. I, I, don't, I never gave a, a girl's name to my cars. but uh, So we, we were just into that, and then it just, you know, the easiest way to get into any kind of automotive sport is drag racing because you can virtually take a, your dad's station wagon to the racetrack which i never did he would have killed me and uh i so i started racing at the drag track and it was just a way to probably just go fast legally and one thing led to another and i went up to where i had a you know full-fledged race car with a trailer and a bunch of tools and i did that for three or four years and realized that my dad was right it was kind of wasting a bunch of money and and i didn't get that much enjoyment out of it and I didn't, wasn't sure how far I was going to go, and I was getting pressure from him to come back to the store more and put more attention into his store if I was going to run it in the future. And so I just kind of gave all that up for different decisions in my life and stuff. But, yeah, I, and I'm still to this day pretty mechanical with, with stuff, you know, on cars. And, and uh, of course, a lot of it's computer-driven today, too, and we could talk about that digital technology taking over cars, and that's... Who knows where they're going to go here pretty soon with it's cars. It's all right there. But all all that you did developed your passions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I think in the middle of all that, I didn't excel as a mechanic because I just really didn't have a passion to be a mechanic, although I can work on and diagnose things like that. I think my passion was to create, and I'm not so sure that I have found my passion until late, much later in, in my 50s, to be honest with you. It's I turned the tender age of 58 today. Um, I think in the last, gosh, I, I hesitate to say this, but in the last eight years, have I really been able to just clearly see what my passion is? And it's a passion to create and help people create and in the passion of through visual media per se. And I just love that. And I, I, I go back to when I was a kid watching visual media from New York to California. And I've always said that, you know, you could have left me in Burbank or close to Burbank at Universal Studios and I probably would have never came home. You know, it was A, it was California. There were cars out there, which was awesome. And then there was the studios, the which just, you know, to be involved in how they make production films and all that kind of stuff. It was just, my eyes were bigger than saucers. And back to the TV store we went, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when I was 10 years old. Well, and if you take all those strings. <clears throat> but I would have stayed. And you think about the law of design, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've gone all And I didn't follow chapters. my passion back then as a 10-year-old. I don't know. I couldn't have jumped out of the station wagon. But I never, I want to say this, I never went back to California and, and, I, and I, I don't know that it had that much to do with California nice nice weather and everything and it was crazy in this in the late 60s early 70s too not near as crowded as it is today I don't think obviously like any place but 
Should have I have ever followed my passion and gone to the studios and gone back out there? I probably should have, you know, and, and I didn't do that. And But thinking about like, you know, people say no regrets, right? No regrets. You've looked at the things that you learned in your life and now you've used those, especially in these last eight years, to say, hey, this is really my connection to my purpose. And, you know, going through the the 15 laws or any kind of personal growth, but you realize like it's about helping others. Absolutely. I mean, I, from, like I said, from the very beginning of the podcast, I mean, that was what I think I learned from my dad was, you know, be of service to people through your passion. And, you know, if, if you're going to work and you're not passionate about your work, truly passionate about your work, in other words, oh my gosh, it's, you know, nine o'clock at night, I can't believe I've been here so long. But if you look at the clock, wherever you're doing for your paycheck and you're looking at that clock and you count the minutes, you're not really very happy. And, you know, yeah, we all need money to pay bills and this, that, and the other. But, you know, I would tell you to live a simple life and follow your passions and then let your passions make you, you know, whatever that is you're passionate about, become the very best in in what that passion is in and then your money will be there later later in life because you'll never want to stop doing it. And there is no retirement. You'll, you know, I plan to be involved in production work for the rest of my life as long as I can do it because that's I love it that much. And I may not do it at the speed I'm doing it today, but if I can do it in my late 70s, I'm going to I'll have a camera or a cord or I'll be in front of a mixer or a microphone or doing something and I have no plans to retire. You know, never. I love it too much. Well, and so it's whatever, but you connect to people, you're like your mom. You know, mm-hmm. Catherine Ake was the connector of everybody, the, never the knew public a, defender. She, nev- she never knew a stranger. <laughs> never and I, knew a stranger. And I, some people aren't comfortable with me being like that. I'm kind of just like her. I mean, I can walk up and some people just look at me like, well, what is this guy talking to me for? And and it's just, I'm not afraid to walk up and talk to somebody. And and uh, but that's kind of a gift. You know, we talk about strength finders. Some people might think it's a curse. <laughs> so, but as as we, you know, as you looked at strength finders, and I know you had it for like six months, yeah. sitting in front of your, your desk and awesome your table. Book. Awesome book. And you were like, yeah, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. What did you learn about that book? Exactly what I'm saying. Since the beginning of the podcast, again, it's just, <laughs> it's it's fine what you're passionate about, which, which, okay, if you break it down like the book does, you find what you're gifted at. You know, I, I believe in God and I believe that God gives every person a gift. And if you don't know what you're truly gifted in, and I'm talking about what, what comes easy to you, you know, it's, it's the things in life that, that you look back and say, you know, I was easy and maybe somebody else says, oh, you know, I could never do that. Well, that's your gift. I mean, it might not be quite that simple, but it's pretty close. I mean, that's your gift. And if you're not moving forward with that gift, then you're wasting your life. And, you know, and that beca- that gift is sort of becomes what you're passionate about. It should pretty much line up. And if you're not concentrating on that and then taking that passion and that gift and giving to others with that, and it doesn't mean you not going to get paid. If you're truly giving something that you're gifted into somebody who needs it, they'll pay you. They'll force the money on you. 
because you're helping them and you truly are doing it in a way to help somebody and you're not putting the money first, they'll pay you. Trust me, they will pay you to help them if you truly help them first before your before what are your needs. I mean, you know, the money will be there, but it's got to be what you're gifted at and it's got to be a passion of what you're gifted at and you've got to give that to somebody else. It's to do things that you necessarily, if you had all the money in the world, they always say, you know, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? What would light you up? What would get you excited about getting up tomorrow and going to make an effort to connect with somebody, to give back, to be able to help, right? People say, oh, I would go start a veterinary clinic. I would go, you know, start a children's foundation. It doesn't have to be like that. Like, what would you do and get up tomorrow morning if nobody expected you to clock in? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and I'll leave your audience with that. You know, exactly what you just said. You know, it, putting everything aside, get up tomorrow morning. And, and what drives you to go do something beyond work, beyond money, beyond anything? What are you truly passionate day after day to do? And if you don't know what that is, then you need to f- sit down and, in a quiet room and start to think about that and start writing some things down that just that are you're always led back to repeatedly because there you'll find your passion. And so I'm going to give a little plug here because it's all about personal growth, right? And so as what I've learned in the last few years and what I've helped take you through and a lot of people in my community, um, it, it's so important if you don't understand these strengths and your story, What's your story? And then how does that story connect to your strengths and your purpose? And that sounds really complicated, but it's really not. It's taking time to reflect on your own life and trying to figure out what makes me tick. And it doesn't have to be okay with your friends or your family even. It has to be okay with you. And as soon as you begin to love yourself, identify with the things that really excite you, that's when you know you're on your right path. And so, and, and I teach a lot of classes, but we're getting ready to kick off a by design personal growth and professional growth uh, corporation. It's a learning institute. That's very exciting. It's very exciting because if you have not ever experienced this before, we're going to be offering an opportunity for people to join in and, and we'll be telling more about it. But it's really, yeah, that's, a, that's a great opportunity for people that are listening to this podcast and say, you know, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm talented in, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't think I have any of that. Yes, you do. And if you don't, if you've, if you somehow have gotten to a point where you are in your life at the, at the age that you're at and you're not sure about your passions and you're not sure about your talent, you know, I would encourage you to talk to somebody, you know, Melanie's institute or school that she's involved in is a place to start. Um, you know, because you may have not grown up in a, a, a situation where your dad ran a TV store, you know, or let's go back your dad got married, had kids, you know, he wasn't passionate about insurance and the, being in the insurance business, he was passionate about other things. And so he followed his passion and bang, here we all are, you know, nine kids running around in station wagons with CB radios, coasting down hills with no gas, you know, and but he followed his passion, you know, and he took his family with you. I don't know that you anybody else 
probably a lot of people can share stories like that that I have. But if you don't and you never were really allowed to find your talent, your passions, and, and what you're gifted in, then take time to, 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 to join a group that will help you recognize what that is so you can move forward. Yep, absolutely. So there's several groups that I'm connected to. And if you're following this podcast, um, one of my coaches, I've got several coaches, but some of them that I've, you've met through the shows that I'm connected to, uh, Brad Milford is somebody else I follow on Facebook, and we have a High Achievers Network. And, um, and so there's lots of things that you can do easily to get connected. And so if you need help, if you have questions, connect to, to Joe and I. If you need help on podcasting, uh, setting that up, he's getting ready to release a whole program on what you'll, you'll need, what it takes, easy links to go to follow to get supplies. I'm going to do some, we're going to, I'm right now putting in the middle of putting together, you know, podcasting is a huge thing. I'm getting a lot of calls on, hey, how do I podcast? Um, there are, I'm getting get putting together some videos of like, you know, state step one, step two, step three, you know, how, what do you want your podcast to be? And you'll understand what that question means when you watch these videos, but they're going to be straightforward videos and you can call me directly, email me directly. And I'll have all that stuff in, in Melanie's link. And I know she needs to wrap this show up pretty quick um, because she got some other things going on today, but I won't, and she's going to ask Happy me birthday. maybe what, I, well, that's true. You got to get to eat, eat a birthday cake, but I, I want to leave your audience with this, and that is if you're working to solely get rich, you're never going to be happy. And, and if, you're, if you're in a job where you watch the clock or you can't wait to stop doing what you're doing so you can get to do something else, that's what you should be doing. That's what you, you know, should be doing. If, if you're rushing to get out and be involved in something else, somewhere probably in that something else is your passion and your talent. And you're not concentrating on it. And you say, well, how can I make a living riding a jet ski? Well, you, maybe you probably can't ride a, li- make a living riding a jet ski. But there's something that's taking you away from work. And maybe it's not a jet ski you're passionate about. Maybe you're not, you know, maybe it's not a talented jet ski rider. And I'm just using that as, a, as, an, as something that gives you an escape. But you need to escape work because you're unhappy. And... I'm not saying that I would never buy a jet ski and or I don't have escapes from what I do, but I'm telling you that when I get away from what I do, I can't wait to get back to it. And jet skis and sailboats and things of this nature are in my life, but they're secondary. They're not my number one reason for living. And my number one reason for living is to help people and to help them with my talent and my gifts. And you've got to find that. Awesome. That's why we're married. <laughs> it's so cool. Lucky, I guess. So cool. Yeah. Love you, Joe. Love been, you, Melanie. It's Thanks. Been a great life. Um, happy birthday. Thank you. I will post all this. You can connect to Joe Ake Studios. He can help you bring out your talents. He can help you be the best to connect your message to your audience. Um, he's helped me do it. Uh, he helps a lot of people do it, and he's the creative genius. So, there is that. There's that creative genius again. Thank yeah, you very creative much. Creative genius. Thank you. All right. Have a great weekend. Happy birthday. Thank you. Great to be here. Everyday leaders, fifty and fifty show twenty seven, and you will be at the leadership summit. So, oh, you know I will. You, I'll have a <laughs> I'll quarter. Be a I'll, I'll have a quarter. <laughs> a quarter. I'll be. 
doing something, recording it or listening or filming it. All right, everybody. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Bye. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis, Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guest from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful New Fields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.